Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. It is Friday, September 4th. And this is the program that takes the mystery out of your financial life. And we are going to get a big employment report out this morning, uh, 8.30 Eastern time. And yesterday, we actually got some weekly jobless numbers, and they were sort of good news, bad news. And the reason I say that is, you know, when you look at the broad number, you're going to see, you know, someone's going to report this and they're going to say, oh, it's so great because we went from a million to 881,000 people claiming benefits. That is good news. So I don't want to take anything away. We also saw continuing claims. The number of people who are actually receiving benefits dropped by about 1.2 million to 13.2 million. That's in the week ending August 22nd. Now, you know, there's going to be a but. Here's the but. The total number of people who are claiming unemployment benefits, the ones who are claiming it through the CARES Act and emergency measures and all those people taken together, that number is big and growing, 29.2 million. And that's an increase of almost 2.2 million from the previous week. So again, good news, bad news. When we get the numbers out this morning, economists expect, I don't know, anywhere. I've seen numbers as low as additions of say six or 800,000 up to one and a half million. Let's call it 1.3, 1.4 million jobs added. Unemployment rate should probably slip below 10%. All these things seem like improvements, but you know, we're sort of in the middle of all this. So it's hard to take any single month and extrapolate it to something beyond that. So that's what we're going to get. We'll tell you tomorrow what the numbers are and try to give you some context. Okay, now on to you. This is an email from Anonymous. Anonymous writes, my husband and I have been extremely fortunate and blessed during this crisis. I'm 37, he's 34. While my husband has had his hours cut to 60%, I will be starting a new job in a few weeks that will pay significantly more than I currently make with great benefits. We will be making approximately $300,000 assuming furlough continues or $350,000 if he is reinstated at full time. That's pretty great. Okay. We have a young daughter and a son on the way due in October. We keep our expenses low for living in a high cost area, New York metropolitan area. We have an excess of about $4,000 each month that we can save, invest, or use to pay off student debt. Here's what we got. $45,000 in private student loans, 3.45% interest. 30-year mortgage, 420 grand at 3.75%. No other debt. We've got six months saved in emergency fund, 
$30,000 in a Schwab brokerage account invested in total market ETF, some stock and bond index funds. We max out our 401ks. We've got 450 grand in retirement. That's great. We contribute $150 a month into my daughter's 529. Okay. Given that we don't know what will happen with my husband's job and that we are expecting a new baby, we are planning to save this excess money in our high yield savings account to pad our emergency fund. We'd like to get to 12 months of emergency reserves because the situation has rattled us. Once we get there, probably in the next six months, if my husband doesn't lose his job, do you think we should invest more in our Schwab account or pay down more aggressively the student loan or do both at once? Okay, Anonymous, here's what I think. I think I totally am on board with your game plan. I love the idea of building up a 12-month emergency reserve. Fantastic. Once you do get there, I actually think that paying down your 3.45% interest rate I think that'll be really helpful for you. I think it's going to be a relief. Um, You're not getting any benefit from that. Just consider that you're getting a guaranteed 3.5% return and you can't get a 3.5% return right now. So that's what I would do. And then we can go back to funding the 529 account and your non-retirement account, your brokerage account. Because I think that, frankly, you'll probably want to put more money in the 529 accounts. They're more tax efficient. So that makes more sense to me. Okay, Bill says, I'm retired, 67 years old. I own my own home and I do not owe anyone anything. My question, last year I purchased two new cars. My truck was 17 years old and my wife's car was 12 years old. I withheld more for federal and state taxes and still ended up owing more on my federal. My IRA is rebuilding even in the state of the unknown with this country. I'm just wondering, is there a way to recover more from the federal tax that I paid because the purchase pushed my income reported on my taxes? I won't get any stimulus. The two vehicles cost me about 120 grand. P.S. Love listening to your show. Bill, you probably should have bought cheaper cars. Nothing you can do. Not a thing. You pulled the money out. The taxes now do. Isn't that a terrible thing? Susan writes, I opened up a 360 performance account with Capital One. I'm thinking of transferring all of my money into that account from a small local bank at this time because I'm not earning any interest. I feel nervous about doing it because it's not my local branch that I can walk to down the street. I know it's insured up to $500,000. What are your thoughts? It's not insured up to $500,000 unless it's an investment account. So if you have investments in that account and it's covered by SIPC, Securities Investor Protection Corporation, then it is covered up to 500. But remember that the money market or cash portion is only up to 250,000. Okay. Larger question. Are you being foolish? No, absolutely not. I mean, your local branch, nice, but like, hey, your money's your money. You got to do what you got to do. So if you're worried about the failure of Capital One, I'm not particularly worried about that right now. You can split the money up and go into two different accounts, but I think you're fine. Okay. This is from Christine who says, my husband and I love to listen to your show on Cairo. That's right. Cairo in Seattle. I'm 44. Husband is 54. Our home is worth $410,000. Our monthly payment is 812 bucks a month. Uh, we've got credit ratings in credit scores in the 700s. Mortgage balance is $73,000 on a 30 year, plus a home equity loan of 90,000 totals 163,000 of outstanding debt. 
We're both full-time employees with total after-tax income of about $5,000 a month. We have little or no credit card debt, but we do owe a federal student loan of $26,000. We feel we could afford up to a $1,500 a month house payment, but we don't want to do it unless it's advisable. Okay. Should we refinance at the same monthly payment or lower rate or raise our house payments to a higher amount and take lump sum of cash to invest? We don't want to miss out on available money from our home in this good market. I don't think I'd pull more money out necessarily. I mean, I would, would, so you've got 90,000 plus 26,000 to pay off the student loan. So that's really what I'm looking at. So presuming that you have other investments and everything else is doing fine, I, I don't think you need to do a cash out refi except to make sure that you have enough cash coming out to pay for the student loan. So that's when the refi probably makes sense. Uh, you didn't really mention whether or not you're going to stay in the house. I presume you are. But if you have any plans to move soon, and uh, maybe it doesn't work, be sure to run the numbers so that you know when your break even occurs, how long it will take you to recoup your money. Okie doke. Let's see. Monica's in her mid-30s. She went through a divorce, the sale of the home, and relocating to a different state all in the last three months in the middle of COVID. Oy, yay, yay. Anyway. I'm so thankful we got to sell our house before the shelter-in-place order. Things could have been worse. Here's the situation. I own my current apartment outright, no mortgage. I bought it before I got married and used part of the proceeds and divorce settlement to pay off the mortgage. The overhead is low. I have $150,000 as a lump sum left in cash that's sitting in a high-yield online savings account. Unfortunately, I'm furloughed. I don't know when I'll be able to go back to work. I don't have any consumer debt. I have paid off my student loans. I have about $30,000 in my retirement account. I feel like I'm so much luckier than a lot of people in this challenging time, but I want to make the most out of the small nest egg I have right now. What is your advice on how to use the lump sum? I assume I should put aside 12 months worth of living expenses in an emergency fund. Yes, that's their number one assumption. First thing you do, what else can I do? I think that what you can do is once you've put that money aside, then what you look at is an investment account for this money that will be long-term in nature, but also that is not too aggressive. You know, it could be sort of a balanced account between 50% at risk, 50% less risk. I would use index funds. If you are not an experienced investor, you may want to try one of these um, hybrid services where you have a robo-advisor with some advice, or you can just go straight up robo at an online investing platform. But if you know what you're doing, you could just open up an account anywhere T. Rowe Price, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, wherever, and you can put that money to work. If you're nervous about putting it to work and the markets are gyrating a lot, then you can do dollar cost averaging. If your 12 months of expenses is 50 grand and you've got 100 to invest, you can say every month I'm going to put 10 grand a month to work. But do go through the risk assessment, do go through the different platforms, see which ones you like and then you can make a decision. All right. That's it. Another show, a Friday ahead of you, and then the long weekend. So I hope that you all are looking forward to that. We have a fantastic interview this weekend. So um, it's going to run tomorrow and Sunday and Monday. It is the CEO of TIAA, Roger Ferguson. It's going to be fantastic. I love this guy. So 
check it out. Your feed will be brimming with content this weekend. Don't forget to wash your hands, to wear your masks, to maintain your physical distancing, to lift somebody up, to do something nice for somebody else. I want to thank you all for listening. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our fantastic executive producer, webmaster, and a million other jobs he has. We're distributed by Cadence 13. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.